Welcome to 10 Minutes, the Breakout Investor Podcast. Today, we are talking about QC Copper, ticker QCCUF. Joining me on the call is Christopher Hampton, our resident expert on this company and others in the mining sector. But first, a disclaimer. No one on this call is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. This podcast is for information purposes only. Before investing in any company stock, you must do your own research. Supporting materials for today's discussion will be posted on the Breakout Investor Discussion app, which is located at app.breakoutinvestors.com. The application and much of the research content is free. After registering and logging in, use the search bar at the top right of any page. Type in the ticker and the results will give you a link to the research post with this podcast and to other discussion and research relating to today's company. Now to our topic, QC Copper, ticker QCCUF. Christopher, could you tell us a little bit about the company and why breakout investors should be interested? I became interested in it because it owns one third of the shares of Baseload, a uranium exploration company headed by James Sykes. Uh, James is a brilliant geologist on the youngest side, and very he was very deeply involved with the finds at uh, NextGen and Denison. Um, and this is his first Baseload is his first his first company, the first time he's heading something. So, you know, I was looking at buying Baseload, but then I saw QC Copper, which owns a third of the shares. QC Copper had a market cap of about 20 million. Baseload shares worth about 12 million in cash, 6 million. And they also had a couple copper properties. And aside from uranium, copper is probably my, well, it's my second favorite commodity. Um, I said, hey, this might be, you know, exploration companies are risky. Uh, why don't I throw a copper explorer in here and get some diversification? But as I started to look at it more, I saw the real value was in those copper properties. It was surprising and tremendous. Juicy copper is a result of sort of a long project for the longest period pursued by the head geologist, Charles Boudre. These properties, the Opamiska mines, were operated for 40 years in the mid 20th century by Falconbridge. They pulled out a million pounds, a billion pounds of copper and a million pounds of gold. But all mining, all tunnel mining, just pulling out the high grade deposits. Charles actually worked for Falconbridge for a few years after they had closed their Opamiska mines. And as that may have been where he's started coming up with this idea. But for the past couple of decades, he's been looking at all their old drilling data, not even digitized, just notebooks of data. And he, um, you know, started to see that there was more there. Um, Around 1995, a company called Exxon acquired, the private company called Exxon acquired it, along with all the drilling results. And Charles started working with them putting it together. And then finally, 2018, together with the current CEO, the head of Ore Finders, or the Ore Group, Stephen Stewart, they acquired the property for themselves. So it's a huge property in which copper has been mined down to only about one and a half percent or two using tunnel mining. But their idea is there's copper deposits disseminating in envelopes around those veins and more broadly because it's so thickly veined. Um, That was the point they were at when I first 
started researching this company. Since then, they've done the drilling to confirm their hypothesis. And in the next couple months, they're going to be coming out with their maiden resource estimation, along with uh, NPV. NPV and, being a net present value, and the net yeah. here is what is the obtainable or worth net of the cost of obtaining your? Very good. Couldn't have said it better. In some of the interviews, and you've read through all the documents, what's interesting about the company is some of the best research, some of the best information I've gotten is through the YouTube interviews with the CEO and geologist. Four uh, months ago, he said he thinks he's sitting on seven billions worth of metal. Since then, they've gotten drilling results back, and that number has expanded. Uh, they're looking at doing an open pit um, with just a huge amount of metal close to the surface. Uh, this maiden resource estimate, I think it could show a net present value of around a billion dollars, which you're acquiring for you know, a company with a 20 million market cap and really about a $2 million to $8 million enterprise value. All right. Well, the, the, the big issue here, and, and, and I think that this is part two of your, you know, the, your pitch or why you're so excited about this. As Florian would say, uh, knowing that there's copper in the ground yes. doesn't really mean much. There's, there's a lot of places in the world where we know there's copper in the ground. You know, interesting. I, I knew a guy years ago. He had some land in Arizona. And the reason he had it was because of the copper. He hoped to someday get rich. But knowing there's copper means almost nothing. To the extent that the copper is going to stay in the ground, nobody's going to give you fair value for it. The question is, is this a mine that is going to go into production? Now, the ore group, they don't want to produce. What they want is to sell this and sell it there to somebody who wants to begin to produce. Like now, I'm, I'm, I'm leading you up here for the punchline. Why do you think of all of the places in the world where there's known copper, this is a mine that the majors are going to want to tap in the very near future when they've got to access more copper because of the rising demand for copper for industrial and particularly electronic vehicle production requirements. Why this one? Now, I don't like to guess what a major is going to do. Um, but what I can say is it looks like this mine is very likely very economical. I mean, there's copper in all ground to some degree. There's some parts per million of copper um, probably uh, under my feet right now. But, um, you know, their drilling has shown half a percent to a percent of copper. And that's really pretty high grade these days. You know, rehashing brownfields has gotten pretty common. Um, and a lot of copper mines are working at 0.1 or 0.2% and doing it economically at these prices. I mean, when uh, Falcon Bridge was drilling these fields, copper was under a dollar. So the economics have changed quite a bit and the technology's gotten more efficient. So to answer your question more directly, I don't know what the majors will do and I probably, I might not stay around until the point where a major might be acquiring them, but I'm very confident that they can show an economical resource at $4 plus copper. So that wasn't the answer that I was expecting. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But the answer I was expecting was because an existing rail line runs right to the property, an existing <laughs> highway runs right to the property. 
the people adjacent to the property have been waiting for 30 years for somebody to reopen this mine. This thing is ready to go. It's ready to go right now. Yeah, That's why they're going to pick this mine. It's economic, it's worthwhile, and all of the infrastructure is already there. Yeah, and they're planning, they might actually, they're saying they're going to do, they're going to do starter pits because some of the highest grade deposits are closest to the surface. They're going to do it, I, maybe 10 million pounds or something like that. Um, if they did that themselves, that would be very exciting. And that's their longer term plan. Their maiden resource estimate will come out in the next couple of months. A year, they're talking about that starter pit in a couple of years. Can you talk at all about the commodity copper? Uh, you know, it had a great rally and now it's backed off a lot. Have you got any read on that? Has it really? It's still over four. Well, I guess I'm not, you know, to be honest, I'm not looking at the copper yeah, uh, spot price. I'm looking at the copper miners and those guys yeah. have backed off. The miners. It's interesting. Um, I, I just feel like the whole sector was taken down as stocks and sectors sometimes are. Um, like uranium, same thing happened to uranium concurrently. And it started with a completely bogus story about a leak in a Chinese reactor. Um, all these sectors have gotten bulled up so strongly. I mean, they were vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. I like to say that uh, the market makes money when stocks are going up and when they're going down, it makes no money when a stock yeah. holds steady. So yeah. when something's run up about as far as it can, the way to make money is to see that it goes down quite a bit and then yeah. you make money again on its way back up. So, you know, I, I, you're probably onto something. Uh, but uh, you agree that the long-term prospects for copper, uh, I had posted uh, in the commodities room on the breakout platform, a, a Goldman Sachs podcast that uh, mm -hmm. you know talks about how over the next decade or so, there is no question in the minds of some analysts, and I guess Florian's not one of them, because Florian always throws a cold water on a copper when I talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. But according to that podcast, uh, the rising demand for copper, specifically related to electronic vehicles, is going to necessitate that new mines be opened uh, and a new, uh, it significantly increased production. So this this was uh, originally in the form of a question. So what say you, Christopher? Is is, is that right? Um, yeah, do you I'll think are you long term bullish for copper? More or less. I could compare it to uranium. This is an interesting. If you look at a bunch of mining companies, copper mining companies, uranium mine, mining companies, and you look at their estimates of their net present value, uranium companies are calculating the present value using prices double current uranium price often, you know, between $35 and $65. But copper miners, they're still using $3 or $3.5 for MPV, and they can still make money. So yes, there's going to be bullish demand, and there are supply problems, especially with the concentration of mines in South America and the political issues they're having, but it's not like uranium. I don't think I'd be simply invested in copper if it wasn't a special situation, like I believe I found here. Yes, well, I mean, I've certainly learned over the course of this conversation that your interest is very particular. 
Your interest is very particular about the report that's going to come out, which is going to cause a revaluing of this company. And it's going to be based upon the value of the copper in the ground. And you are thinking that this thing has to price up. I mean, if, if I say 10 times, it sounds extreme, but no, maybe that's only the beginning that's of what this thing could do. Even the crappiest mine with the shadiest NPV trades at 10% of their NPV. It's really hard to find something under that. Better mines, 40%. Right now, this Opamisca mine is valued at $2 million. We're looking at what might be a billion dollar NPV. There's not a lot of downside. So uh, so just to, to throw some cold water on that, um, you're not the yeah. only guy in the world that knows this. There's gotta be a lot of people in the space, a lot of people in Canada, a lot of people that know copper, a lot of people that know what kind of properties are going to um, be mined or, or evaluated highly on their MPV. How in the world can this thing be trading for $2 million? Well, a couple of points. One, not that many people know about it. I've been out there on Twitter and all the discussion boards trying to you know, hash this out with someone. And I mean, there's really not that many people that have looked into this at all. But more importantly, people are buying this and a lot of people because a lot of people are selling it. QC Copper has done a lot of private placements. I mean, they've created this company out of nothing. They've just been selling shares to make it happen. And with all those shares, there's been half a warrant. And I think for instance, in, uh, in between February and April, close to 30 million shares became free trading either from warrants expiring or private placement shares becoming free trading. And all that supply drops on the stock and has to be bought. And all these people, and I think there are quite a few interested in buying QC, know this. And they're not about to chase the stock with that kind of supply until they have to. All right. And uh, let's, let's conclude with, what are we waiting for? Uh, what's the uh, catalyst here? I think that when the company drops that maiden resource estimate, that's going to be very interesting. But... I'd say it's almost more about the existing supply of stock. When it slows down, uh, we saw a hint of that back in April when QC rallied 30% in a day, just on nothing. Just on it was about a month since the date of expiration on those warrants. When buyers feel like they have to step up, I think they will. And if not by that, when that estimate is released, if not by the time that estimate is released, then I think that estimate will push things forward okay well that's been a little bit more than 10 minutes thank you christopher we are breakout investors this podcast is meant as an easy on-ramp to understanding today's company and the research and collaboration we do please join us for discussion on this podcast and for other breakout ideas on our discussion platform at app.breakoutinvestors.com The Breakout Investor 10-Minute Podcast is syndicated and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, listen, and give us a five-star review. Neither Breakout Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, as the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including respect to direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. The views on this podcast expressed are those of the speaker and not breakout investors. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. 
Thank you for listening.